0: you're listening to the writer than you podcast
1: all right what a weekend of football and away we go bill Ryder with you coming to you live from the rocket mortgage studios whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours rocket mortgage can help you get there for home loan solutions that fit your life Our rocket can phone number here on the show and it's tom the executive producer who who answers those phone calls so added bonus Say hi to Thomas, 855-212-4CBS. Let's say you're sitting there listening, wherever you are, and thank you for, for letting us come into your world, and you're saying to yourself, Bill, that's a nice invitation, but I'm kind of shy, and I find D-Cell intimidating. Well, I got one out of two with you there, and I've got a solution. Twitter, at D-Cell CBS. Or, if you're still intimidated or shy, it's just me, a sports writer. Sports R-E-I-T-E-R. Uh, Ty Dunn's going to be on the show. Our buddy NFL insider does his own thing on Substack, formerly a Bleacher Report. Really good reporter. Knows the game inside out to talk. What an interesting weekend in the NFL. Ty will be on in an hour. And in that interview and over the course of the show, we'll talk about an AFC West that seems a bit confounding. Don't let it be. It's still the Chiefs division. I promise we're going to get into Russell Wilson. Hey, Lop, I've got to tell you right now. You know how like sometimes there's a breakup and you don't really know what's going on, but you just are rooting for somebody. Like I, I took Shaq oh oh over over Kobe. I'm rooting for for Ime Odoka's fiance over Ime. Is it too soon to make that joke? It looks like it is based on the face Diesel is making, but that's just that's just how I feel. And kind of felt like a, a Russell Wilson guy over over Pete Carroll. That was a mistake. Russ looks washed. Pete Carroll looks like he knew what he was talking about. We'll get into that topic here on the show. Man, Urban Meyer is so bad at his job. Urban Meyer is so Look at the Jags, how well they're playing. The Eagles can make a case. One of the best teams in football. We've got a Monday night football game tonight. That's a Monday night football game. I'm not going to pretend that I'm super excited about Giants-Cowboys. I know I'm supposed to be. I think it's required in the contract. Not sure the Giants are very good, but they're about to be 3-0. Pretty sure the Cowboys aren't. We'll preview that game on the program here uh, we'll get into some of the drama with that dolphins game we'll start here in a second on that there's just so many things to unpack and again 855 2124 CBS and yes we'll talk about we'll talk about Albert Pujols looking like an all-star i get the joke of making fun of me for saying he shouldn't have been in the all-star game pretty incredible sunsetting for his career way to say goodbye and I don't even know if we'll hit it that much, but, but a pretty emotional moment for Roger Federer, his final match, holding the doll's hand, crying. Just a reminder, all these all-time greats go away. Sometimes they look like they've already gone away. See the Bucks-Packers. That was an ugly, ugly football game, and the Packers get it done. There are, there are so many things to unpack from the weekend. I mean, the Raiders are 0-3. They look awful. They look absolutely terrible. They are brutal. And the Bears are two and one. I just want to slip it in. The Bears are two and one. But let's start with the best team in the National Football League. I told you Friday that if the Miami Dolphins come hell or high water, come a scoring, a flood of points, or a defensive battle, come something standard or, or a butt punt for a safety. Whatever was going to happen, the winner of that team was going to be the best team at this point in the NFL season. In the National Football League. And 21 to 19 points later, the Miami Dolphins are the best team in the NFL for now. Let it sink in. Hell of a football game. Close football game. There's a punter in Miami, and I don't know if he's a religious man or he carries good luck charms. Right, Remember back in the rabbit's foot days? I used to want a rabbit's foot when I was a kid. To leave it at nine, I realize that is weird. I don't need need a dead rabbit, then I need its foot. Whatever his thing is, he's sitting somewhere real thankful because that is one of the most bizarre safeties slash botched specialty moments you'll ever see, especially in a high-leverage situation if you missed the butt safety. That's what they're calling it. I was watching the game at a sports book with a bunch of games and people around me. And when it happened, A, and I did Vegas very, very chill. I thought, did I do this as chill as I thought that I did? And I thought, B, I don't know I'm going to call this on the radio tomorrow. And then later I heard somebody call it the butt pun. So that seems pretty self-explanatory. Uh, dolphins are backed up in their own end zone. Not a lot of room. There's a lot of chaos. The game is really close. It's the end of the game. Uh, the Dolphins got to get the ball away and basically force the Bills to score a touchdown, they should be up four, they can get that punt off, it's going to be a short field, but, but Buffalo, who's been having trouble moving the ball against a really good Dolphins defense, is going to, Buffalo's going to have to move the ball, score a touchdown for the game, and then all hell breaks out, and I'm going to be, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I had money on the game, I and I won, I did not see at first what happened, I just, people were screaming, what's going on, it's a safety, and the impression I had because, again, not very smart. Uh, I thought the punter actually somehow kicked the ball backwards. And as somebody as somebody who um, could be more athletic and has had moments of playing some 2 hand touch football until I used to just break every every part of my body doing that Thanksgiving bowl back in Dubuque, Iowa, I may or may not have done that a couple times in my life. I may have punted the ball backwards with some shame. Oh, that's in the wrong direction. I hit, kicked the hell out of it, though. But on closer review... What happened was the Dolphins punter kicked the ball into his own dude's uh, rear end, you know, his, his, his backside. You know, it's not a – I have so many jokes I'm trying not to make. Safety, two points, and that gives the Bills the opportunity. All you have to do if you're Josh Allen in Buffalo is get in field goal range, hit that field goal. I know easier said than done, and that's, and that's ball game. And what a remarkable way in which the Dolphins stepped up, got to Josh Allen, made his life difficult, forced him to throw the ball over the middle, and in the final play, in what was field goal range, uh, the Bills did not get out of bounds. They should have, and the clock ticks away. And there's a lot to get into. I know that there's a concussion controversy in- involving Tua Tungvaluwa. I'm, I'm going to hit it, I promise, but I want to focus on the football very quickly and just what a great game it was. And how Tua, I think, has being a little modest because it's not like the Dolphins' offense was extraordinary. It wasn't. But Jalen Waddell continues to be borderline, not unguardable, but if you're going to double Tyreek all the time, Waddle's going to have the opportunities that he had yesterday, 102 receiving yards. It's the best receiving duo in football. And so the opportunity for occasionally the Dolphins to move the football well, they, they ran the football like a bunch of bums, didn't matter. But it was, it was a complete game, is my point. And Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Dolphins, has done a pretty amazing job. Might be an unusual guy. It's cool. Might look like our buddy and the Jim Rome executive producer, uh, Tom Benedetto. It's eerie, and maybe Mike not not Tom because Tom does. M- maybe Mike doesn't shower a lot. Maybe we talked about the hygiene issues last week. But he's got an interesting way to connect with his football team and to tell them take it a moment of time and to believe in themselves. And that defense, that lack of panic at the game, the athleticism, the ability, the roster that we knew was capable, the way they put that together to not just be 3-0, and but beat a really good Buffalo Bills team is a complete team performance. But I hear what is saying when he told us after the game, hey man, you gotta look to the defense for this W. I think we rallied and you
2: really look at it, the defense came through um, and it Kind of tells a, a picture story of what our team is capable of. Uh, it's not just our offense being able to, to help win a game, but it's the defense as well. And we've seen that today with their performance.
1: That's the best tour clip we've ever played. It does tell a story. Defense is Stephen King's new book, Fairy Tale. It's crafted a picture. It's crafted a, a moment. The Dolphins are legit. The Dolphins are for real. And it's not an overstatement. And whether it is Miami or it's Jacksonville, I think is another really good example. It is a reminder that coaching and culture and competence matter in the National Football League. Yes, there are some additional pieces on the roster. Yes, this is an offensive line that has improved. Yes, as I mentioned, I think Tyree Kill's addition to that football team, is a game changer for every other receiver, Jalen Waddell in particular, but to give Tua options and guys who are going to have some space on the field. And we know that Tua is a very accurate passer, and that makes up for whatever argument you do or don't want to have about his arm strength. But this was a pretty good roster last year, and Brian didn't know where the floor was, wasn't able to make it work. And Mike, I don't shower McDaniel. I don't know if you know if that's true. I think that's just the general speculation. And by the way, Mike, I'm not criticizing God knows there are times where I, you know, 44-year-old father, too, could work on the hygiene. I understand. Life gets busy. Coaching matters. Ask Doug Peterson with, with that Jacksonville team. Coaching matters. Now, it's also true that sometimes hot garbage happens across the National Football League. And I'm not criticizing the NFL, love the sport, but there are some moments that are incredibly stupid. If you watch the Chiefs game... Maybe if you're a bitter person who, who bet on the Chiefs game and the Chiefs defense was able to effectively shut down Matt, I'm a 100 years old, Ryan and the Colts, and then there was a taunting penalty at the end of the game that allows the Colts to keep their drive alive, to take the lead, and you had forgotten Andy Reid, as good as he is at building a culture and a team and a plan, can't actually do in-game coaching. He actually is He's not able to do that. You know that you can be a little mad at the NFL for some of the decision-making. And on a more serious level... Talking about in that game and remember the NFL is really good at this. They understand Bucks Packers was a really big game and obviously Packers win that game. It was an ugly game, but an important game and we told you it wasn't going to be as tantalizing. Tonight's games a really interesting game because it's Giants Cowboys and it's a rivalry and the Giants have a chance to at least under the illusion of excellence get to get to three and0 if I'm, if I'm doing that right off the, off the top of my head. There were some good football games, but every week there's a game that is that is transcendently more interesting than, than most of them that just says something about the NFL season that maybe we didn't even see coming when we looked at the schedule at the start of the year. And that was Dolphins-Bills. The Bills have been as advertised. They are really, really good. And if you don't watch a lot of Bills games, you should just do it to see Josh Allen's remarkable athleticism. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. So anyway. Dolphins get to call themselves the best team in the National Football League, or at least until tomorrow when we do power rankings. And I have to weigh what I want to do with the Chiefs. People, we overreact so much to so many things. There's there's a lot to react to after three weeks are in the book. Get it? We're going to talk in 15 or 20 minutes. Maybe Bogus and, and Diesel have a take. I just, I'm not writing Russell Wilson off. He looks awful. He looks washed. I understand Denver won the football game. Russ looks like a bum. I'm not even sure what to make of the Giants. When, if, they win tonight. I think the Jags are a really good football team. Do I think the Eagles are one of the three best teams in football? I don't. Do I think they're a playoff team? I do. But I'm not going to freak out over the Chiefs. Give me a break. Or the Chargers. The only thing I'm going to freak out about the L.A. Chargers, see what I did there? I'm just trying to muscle memory myself is that Justin Herbert should not have been in at the end of that game. He looked like he was in so much pain. And as a guy that's had broken ribs, I can tell you that was difficult just at dinner, let alone in an NFL game. Lot to overreact to, lot to react to. I think the the right reaction of the Dolphins is they are legit. It's also true, bogus. Good morning, Andrew. Did you have a nice weekend? I did, Bill. Thanks for asking. Double whammy for you. Double bonus. I think the Patriots are bad. Yes. And Tom Brady
3: looks sad and ineffective. I noticed that. Yeah. It really did. It's tough to see, except it's not. So um, let's go pack. Go pack go. go. Go pack go. I mean, why not? They won, right? They made TB12 look sad and made him a loser yesterday. The Saints let him win last week and it was breaking tablets. Yesterday, actually lost.
2: I mean, oh, by the way, Green Bay was shut out in the second half.
3: That yeah. did
1: happen as well.
3: It, it did, so they're not great either, but they won, and that's what do, matters.
1: When do we want to do—I mean, you guys tell me. There's a lot to hit. It's hard in a two-hour radio show. And I'm, I can get a little you know, up in my own personal stuff because I'm a Bears fan. When should we hit the Bears being a top-five team in the NFL?
3: I would do that. Yeah, I do that the first segment of Hour 3 today. Okay. Um, right before we <laughs> asked the question— is a one-legged Trey Lance better than the current version of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay,
1: or the current version of Jimmy Garopp. That that was such a terrible game last night. That Niners Broncos game was absolutely awful. And Nathaniel I think still can't hack it, and Denver doesn't know what he's doing. It was just it was a race to to, to the bottom. Are, are the Giants legit? Are, are we going to be in here on here tomorrow? Am I going to wake up tomorrow, Bogus, and have to do some conversation about the undefeated New York Giants? Is that, ha- is that silliness coming?
3: Well, I think that game is going to garner some kind of mention on a Tuesday morning. I think
1: it will, too. What's the take but when I, they win?
3: I don't think you need to get carried away unless okay. they somehow win, like, 94-2. to 2 Because... The answer always is going to be it was Cooper Rush, knock not Dak Prescott. Unless the Cowboy defense, the vaunted cowboy defense, vaunted. can't stop Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley.
1: Um good morning, Tom. Good morning, D Cell. How's it going? Good morning, Bill. I'm doing great. I may have I may have been forced to go to I actually did not want to go to Vegas this past weekend, but I, I had a nice time. Very chill. I may have finished second in a pretty big poker tournament. And I may have had a fairly edgy interaction with the gentleman at the table that I crippled. Okay, was it edgy both ways or you just edgy oh, to him? I never start that stuff. It was, bogus knows, it was, it was edgy both ways. He skipped his flight. He skipped his flight to like play this tournament. And then I knocked him out. And he was very, 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 very unhappy. But I did have a lot of time to sit there and watch a lot of football. And one of the things, D-Cell, that you had pitched to me that I was thinking about was what is the proper reaction to what's going on in the AFC West? Because at least from a record perspective, and we talked about the AFC West supposedly, theoretically, maybe still it's being this dominant division of of four really good teams. The Raiders are 0-3, and in in every one of those games, it feels like a case of what could have been, certainly at the start of the season. At least from a standings perspective, the the Broncos are competitive in that division. I think they look absolutely awful. The Chargers look a little lackluster if you want to especially come off the weekend. But again, Herbert was injured. And I still think the Chiefs are the best team in that division. But Andy Reid forgot that you're allowed to kick field goals when you're up four late in a game. And there was a terrible, terrible taunting call against the Chiefs that extended the Colts drive. Do you guys have – like design? I know that was your – where do you – you pitched it. I like it. AFC West conversation. Where do you come down? Because for me, it's the same thing I always thought. I think the Chiefs are number one. I think the Chargers number two. I guess I'm starting to sell my Denver stock. And I, I thought the Raiders would be I did not think they were going to win two games this year.
2: I thought coming into the season, I was with everybody else. That national narrative, the AFC West, might be the best division we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. This division is stacked top to bottom. We don't even know where the top is. We don't know where the bottom is. All four of these teams are so good. I still believe in Kansas City. After that, I have a lot of question marks. I I, I don't know why Justin Herbert was out there playing yesterday. That really makes me question what's going to happen the rest of the way. He's got to get healthy first. He has to be healthy for the Chargers to do anything this season. I don't know why he and Brandon Staley were so adamant about him playing.
1: I don't mind him playing at all. Like I'm down with it. I absolutely mind him playing when it's a twenty eight point game at the end of the fourth quarter and the guy's and he took a shot at the end. I mean it's not like he got hurt, but you saw he took a shot with the, the, that rib injury. Bogus, you got any—I mean, Bogus, you're a very hot-takey guy. Can you just—if you can temper that a little bit, Deep your hot-takeism.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that Brandon Stanley should be fired today, but I, I do want to remind Brandon Staley that part of his job is protecting his players from themselves, and it's great that Justin Herbert wanted to play, but at some point, you got to go, uh, dude, the game's over, and you can't get any more hurt than you currently are. So it's super sweet you want to be out there. I really appreciate it. So do the guys. Uh, But I think it's Chase Daniel as their backup. Chase Daniel's going in now. Let's just sit the rest of this one out. Like, Justin Herbert doesn't get to win in this scenario. Brandon Staley should win. And Staley's supposed to be the one thinking more level ahead of the moment and protect his guy, and they didn't seem to protect him yesterday.
1: Amen, brother. Look, Staley is a well-regarded coach. I understand NFL coaches get, searching for the term, stupid at the end of games. I mean— this is a more serious example of this, but the the coach that's down three touchdowns with 40 seconds left, and he just keeps calling his timeouts, even though it's like, why don't you just accept the game is over, guys get hurt. Now, Staley, I don't think it's much of a um, an explanation, but obviously everybody faces the media after these games, and the press that covers the Chargers did a nice job pressing the Chargers head coach with the notion of, and this is my sort of summation, why on God's green earth? Why on earth would you let Herbert with the game over? Right, the game over. remain in that football game. Justin in the game there, down 28.
0: Late. Yeah, Lindsey, uh, it's a good question. Um, he wanted to be out there with his teammates. Um, he felt good, um, and he wanted to finish the game. He wanted to, you know, give our group um, some energy, um, and you know, we were going to protect him there at the end with you know really sound protection as best we could. But um, you know, it was more about you know, him wanting to finish with his guys. Why,
3: the franchise quarterback, is there at some point is the coach you need
0: to step in and say you already have a significant For sure. injury? For sure. Yeah, we, uh, um, believe me, um, throughout the entire game. That's the first thought throughout the game and at the end of the game. And so, um, trust me, uh, there's no one that's thinking about it more than I am. Well, why take that risk then? If that's if that's at the front of your mind and it's that important, why, why take the risk? Daniel, that was just the decision that we made. And it was about us finishing that game as a team. And it was important to us that we did it.
2: Brandon, was there any discussion between you and him?
0: Yes. Yes, there definitely
2: was. And he was adamant that he wasn't coming
1: Yes. I counted 11 things that Staley said there where he's totally full of crap. No one's thinking about it more than I am. Literally everyone watching the game is thinking about it more than you are. Or I think he had a quote in there, believe me. I don't believe you. And neither does anyone else watching this press conference. Andrew, you do play-by-play. You're around. I mean, and I used to cover football day-to-day as a writer, and I get... Do you think is this is just the the weird cultural stubbornness of football coaches pretending that every second matters, or is it just a guy... I, I don't understand the reasoning, like... In his own mind, in that moment, what do you think Staley's actually thinking?
3: Yeah, I, see, I didn't read it as, like, we're trying to come back and win. It was just that they let Herbert make the decision, and he's the least qualified one in this scenario to make it in-game. Like, I, to me, it's more about, like, a power thing. Like, who's actually in charge here if he's going to dictate that he's in the game? If you know the game's over, and I think this is what the follow-ups are about, you know the game is over— You know how hurt he is. You're thinking about it as much as you say you are. Then you just say, Justin, you're out of the game.
1: Right. I'm the coach. And that's it.
3: It's done. We have to protect you. Sorry, buddy. You can be mad at me. That's fine. But this is over for you today. We cannot get you hurt again.
2: Because there are no moral victories this season for the Chargers. There are a lot of expectations this year. This is not some team that's on the rise. They can win five, six, seven games. No, it is double-digit wins. It is playoffs. Like, there is a lot on the line each week. If you are the Chargers, then Brandon Staley has to know that. He has to do a better job there.
3: And he's so good and so important to them. And they were playing the Jaguars, who hadn't won a road game. In fr- Trevor Lawrence has n- had never won a road game until yesterday. Like, I would have spent the week going, man, mean, is it worth him sitting out against the Jaguars to make sure he's okay for the rest of the season? And they put him out there, and then they left him out there when the game was already been decided. And he was
1: bad because he was in pain. Sometimes you make that leap and you, you you think you're right, but you can't tell. You could you could see him. I mean, I'm being facetious, but it's almost he almost was crying out there. I mean, he was in. That's a tough dude, man. I mean, that is a give Herbert credit. Tough guy. Massive amounts of pain. But there were moments, guys, where he just threw the football right, like he where he went more or less untouched and he threw the football badly, and you could see him wince. In pain again. Not a football player. Not comparing myself to that guy. But got in a car accident once. Broke most of my ribs, and just sneezing was was pain, was like excruciatingly painful. Walking down the stairs was pain. I can't even imagine the toughness it takes to do what he did. But I'm with both of you. At whatever point the game is, forget the last drive when the game is out of hand. Sit that sit that guy, because I like Chase Daniel. Nice kid. Went to Missouri once drove around in his pickup truck for a, for a newspaper story. Nice guy. What are they if, if, that, if he has to play most of the season? They're, they're a, a, a three-win football team?
3: And I know you can get to a point with some injuries where they decide that, hey, it is what it is. You can't make it worse. It's not going to get better anytime soon. This is just about you dealing with pain, which is why he starts the game. But at least just give him right. a break to not have to feel more unnecessary pain. The game's over. Just be a human and take him out of his misery for a few minutes. Be the boss. Yeah.
1: If you can't make that call, what call can you make? Um, quick transition. To AFC West. I, I think the Chiefs are dynamic. Did you guys watch that game? I know there's a lot of games on. I watched it pretty, pretty focusedly because I was on the Chiefs at five and a half. So I was very, 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 very angry with um with with Andy Reid. He and I know that they had a backup field goal kicker and the guy missed a field goal. So you can make the argument, Andy Reid, faked a field goal. Faked a field goal at 4th and 10. But there is no argument. If your field goal kicker can't make field goals and you have Patrick Mahomes, you line up at 4th and 10 and you go for it. But the, I just thought, I don't know what was said, but I thought the taunting penalty, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong here because I was a little angry and I may have been yelling pretty loudly in a casino in Vegas at the time of the television. But was it 3rd third and, third and 10 or 3rd and long, whatever it was? And the Chiefs got to Matt Ryan and that was that was it. Colts were gonna punt, and then the taunting penalty came and extended the drive. Correct. Do we know what was actually said? I haven't seen
3: it. No, and we should. I feel like we should. We should. Yeah.
1: The official I, was right there.
3: And heard it. And that's why he yeah. threw the flag. And I feel like afterwards the they should tell us this is what he said. That call is so important and it was non like physical, not in the play you got to tell me what word he used that required a game-changing penalty in that situation.
1: I don't think there's any—I had this conversation with my brother who I was in Vegas with and a buddy. I don't think there's anything that can be said that justifies it doesn't matter if there's a bunch of swear words. It doesn't matter if he suggested, I don't know, something uh, about Matt Ryan's mother. Like I'm just trying to get my mind around— or his wife that would be super, super inappropriate. There's nothing for me. Is there anything for you guys that could be said by a defender in a game? It's a, it's a game, maybe, probably not, but maybe a season-changing moment. It's a huge moment. Chris Jones is an edgy guy. I don't care. Is there anything you could say on earth that you think justifies that flag? Because I don't think there is for me.
3: You want to say it first, Esau?
1: I
2: We looked at each other. I think we're thinking the same thing.
3: Well, so I think there's two scenarios – where I could begin to understand this. One of them is if, and I don't know this to be the case or not, if Chris Jones had been warned four times about talking smack, and this time the ref was just like, dude, I gave you 15 warnings, like enough's enough, and then throws the flag out of frustration, never thinking about the context of the penalty. The other one is if it's just words and it's a one-time thing, then whatever he said had to be so bad that now the NFL needs to be reviewing it for even more punishment. Like, it's a racist word. It's a sexist word. It's a homophobic racist word. To, racist and, is where I went to. And like that, so and so now we've gone past just the game and the penalty. Now we're talking about a fine, a suspension, one of their lazy like reprimands. But you can't say something that only is worth a flag in that scenario. If you say something that's worth a, a flag there, it's got to be really bad and we should have the kind of the context of it and the commissioner or whoever else should be thinking about punishment now, too.
1: I will offer, he took, Chris Jones took the blame. So did Mahomes, by the way.
3: But And Kelsey. I,
1: yeah, that drop from Kelsey was excruciating, excruciating. Again, I know things feel different. Those of you that bet on the Colts are like, what are you talking about? It's the greatest <laughs> moment ever. I got it. No, I understand. I also think there's a conversation to be had about Eric bien that's difficult and kind of awkward to have. But at the at the end of the first half, Bienemy got into it with Mahomes in a really aggressive way. And normally these things happen. It's not a big deal. But I just think there's proper context here. Biennemi is almost left as the offensive coordinator, coordinator several times in two different fashions. One is trying to get a head coach, hasn't been able to get a job. And he has become, I think rightfully so, one of the the focal points in a very legitimate conversation about the lack of black head coaches in the National Football League and Biennemi as an example of why can't the guy get a job. But after multiple seasons of being able to get a job, you start to think, well, maybe it's largely or entirely about Biennemi. And then it's also true that with his contract up, there have been times where the Chiefs recently thought about not bringing him back. The reporting was he might not come back. The reporting around that locally in Kansas City was enemy, and again, this is local reporting. I'm not saying who's to blame. I'm not, I don't cover that team anymore. But the enemy, not getting along with Mahomes and, and, and Andy Reid. I think that's the proper context for that. And then LaShawn McCoy coming out. I don't know if you guys saw this last night on social media. Saying, the enemy is always arguing with everybody. And blaming everybody on the Chiefs. And laying down the idea. LaShawn McCoy, former Chiefs running back. Laying down the idea that the enemy is a problem. I mean, remember, Andy Reid is, whatever his shortcomings, and they are they are massive in game. is a beloved figure, who every star that's ever played for him loves. He's a he's a players coach, and so his culture is very collaborative. He's got that big offensive whiteboard in his office where the the offensive coordinator, the quarterbacks coach is the quarterback can come in. I, as I understand it, even the backup quarterbacks and can draw stuff up. And it's and so if the enemy is a perceived as a jerk and doesn't get along with anybody, not only is that problematic because Mahomes is your quarterback. It is the antithesis of the culture in KC, and there's certainly some reporting to suggest that there was a forced marriage for a variety of reasons between B and Mahomes and and uh, and Reed. And I just, guys, I think I believe in the Chiefs, but I do think there's an, a conversation that should be out there in the national sort of narrative pool that maybe Eric Bieniemy is a major problem for the in the, with the Chiefs.
3: Major is the operative word. A issue, absolutely. He's is a problem. It, is it major? It seems to be a problem. And like, and you said the beginning of all of that, like, there's there's been a hesitation to say it because nobody wants to be disrespectful and nobody wants to kind of fuel into different narratives and whatever. But you know, the, the 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 story has changed. That Eric Bieniemy might be at least partially to blame for why he doesn't have other jobs or hasn't gotten that promotion to head coach. And the Lashawn McCoy tweet is a you know, could be fairly fairly damning here. And, you know, the dynamic is up to Andy Reid, and he tried to handle it correctly by, not he didn't say Patrick was wrong, but he defended the decision to not be aggressive before halftime and understood why Mahomes wanted to be that. So you have to trust Andy Reid that he can figure this out, that it doesn't become an issue for them for the rest of the season. And then when they're done with this year, is when they probably move on from being enemy. Finally,
1: I want to get details, take, I'll just and I agree with everything you said. My only concern is Andy. Andy Reid has has many strengths. In game coaching is not one of them. In in game decision making, and neither is, as I understand it, having spent some time talking to guys like Donovan McNabb and you know my my my, my old friend, my great friend who who passed away, Trez Taylor, talking in depth about the Chiefs. Andy Reid is not great with confrontation. Is not like he creates the culture. He creates in part because. That's his comfort zone, and so I'm not sure, Cell, that Andy Reid is is particularly equipped to manage Eric bien Bien-Aimé if bien is being difficult in a way that's not helpful, and you, I thought, had a really interesting theory about bien status that I think all of us can relate to.
2: I mean, I think on some level, yeah, we all can. Look, this is year five for bien as offensive coordinator in Kansas City. He's been with the organization since 2013. He started as the running backs coach. I think we all get to the point, especially, it's been so public, As you two mentioned, he's been interviewing for bigger jobs. He wants to be a head coach. I think it's natural you get to a point, as I said, year five, where you just feel you've outgrown this job. I'm bigger than this job. I can do more than this job. And maybe that, it's pure speculation. Maybe that's the cause of the rift. Maybe that's the cause of the finger pointing going on between Mahomes, Reed, and Biennium. I have no idea, but I know Everyone, no matter what you do at some point in your job, in your career, you feel like you've outgrown your current position.
1: Yeah, and he does. I mean, he definitely, if you don't want to be in a job that's high pressure, high stress, lots of hours, if you don't want to be in that job, if you feel put upon, it can be difficult to be successful.
3: It's also possible, too, that they just had a disagreement yesterday because it ha- happens I, all the time. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they like each other. But they may know how to coexist for at least 14 more regular season games. And in the defense, by the way, I mean, I think it's
1: fair to go back to, like, being want-to-be conservative. I think Mahomes is amazing. I think on the other end of the spectrum of what Diesel just talked about, you can also be so good at your job and so ensconced in your position and so untouchable that you lose a little bit of your edge. And I think Mahomes is amazing but he and the Chiefs have played with their food the last few years. He does turn the ball over more often. And that turnover at the end of the game, when the Chiefs still had an opportunity to get in in field goal range where he forced the ball down the middle. I mean I, I kinda maybe the enemy's on to something. You know, maybe you're playing conservatively because Mahomes has lost just a small percentage of his of his perfection edge. All right. Um good good stuff, guys. Good talk. Good stuff. Uh by the way, apparently I owe Apparently, I owe oh, DCL an apology. Um, well, not d I'm sorry, bogish.
3: That sounds better. So
1: so my, my buddy listener, Bryce, I don't know if you like, listen to nine of the podcasts on the Free Odyssey app over the weekend, started like just bombarding me with feedback. Hi, Bryce. One of them was, for what it's worth, youth passers, not a compliment. And then at about the same time at a poker table, my buddy Jeff brought that up, I think. And then some other random strangers weighed in. So I'm sorry. I meant it as a compliment. I meant it as a kindness.
3: I, I know you did, and that's I feel why like I haven't be me here. Yeah, I haven't been that mad at you, but I'm just glad that the masses are rallying yeah. to my defense. I felt I, appreciate I tried it. to
1: I tried to argue at a poker table with strangers. They didn't know what the context was. They're like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, I told a buddy he looked like a youth pastor." He got all mad. They're like, "That is not a nice thing to say." We yeah. talk about. It. I try to give my theory about the bridge between the young people and the congregation.
3: No. Sad state of affairs that everyone but you thinks that youth pastor's a bad thing, but it is what yeah, it when, is.
1: When the mopes at the table are judging you, that's what <laughs> reaches you. That's the moment that reaches you. I think Russell Wilson might be washed, and it makes me sad, but we're going to explore that a little bit here on the program, It's Writer Than You, after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogus,
0: You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast.
1: All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you on this Monday. Hope you had a great, great weekend. This season, by the way, for the first time, you can hear every Westwood One NFL broadcast stream live for free Monday, Thursday, Sunday nights. The International Series, Holiday Triple Headers, and every postseason game. Catch all the action on the Odyssey app on WestwoodOneSports.com, by Westwood One station streams, or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. All sponsored by AutoZone free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes AutoZone America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Uh, D Cell, what up? A- Man, the end of, by the way, can I give you my random theory, before we get to Russell Wilson, my random theory of NFL dominance? It came to me like a lightning bolt this weekend. I was sick last week. I got better this weekend. Kind of how, right? Like, I felt better. And, and I just had a moment of clarity. Are you ready? I love random theories. Let's hear it. All right. Obviously, I think you would agree. I think we would all agree, whatever your preference is, that the NFL is by far the king of American sports and worldwide sports. Absolutely. Most popular yep. by far. There's a lot of reasons for it, but it struck me that one of the things is the brilliance of the National Football League's ability to do something that we take for granted that makes it seem bigger, more refined, more polished, more important, more wonderful than the other major sports, and I think as human beings, we're susceptible to those sorts of things, those moments. If, like me, you were a baseball fan, you watch a lot of baseball locally, right? You watch the local marquee broadcast of the Cubs, or you watch the... Are that? I don't remember who does the Dodgers, and I watch all the time. The Dodgers, or you watch Yes Network, and you watch the Yankees. If you're an NBA fan, like I am, watching a lot of local broadcasts, and no disrespect to the folks who do that, every single NFL game, every NFL game, I'm going to run out of time for my Russell Wilson take, every NFL game, I'll have to get to that later, every NFL game in the country is a nationally broadcast game. Everyone is shiny, everyone has a national broadcast operation, and a much higher level of production quality. Even if you're the 7th or the 8th person on the CBS crew or the Fox Sports crew, no disrespect to people locally, you are at a higher level of income and therefore talent. The NFL does not have a single game that ever feels small. And, you know, not, not trying to take any shots whatsoever, whatsoever from, from local broadcasts, but baseball and NBA games locally don't have the same sheen. That's my theory.
2: I like that theory. I would subscribe to that theory.
1: You know what also, although not everything on the NFL looks like it's in, in, in you know, 4D, 4K, I don't know what it's called. Russell Wilson doesn't. <laughs> he looked like a local broadcast. Here's my quick theory. I'll get to it very quickly. I was excited about Russell Wilson to be a Denver Bronco. I thought he would add into the mix a potent, offensive reality for a Broncos team with a really good defense and make them a contender in the AFC West. I thought the pass would be prologue to, to what we're going to see. Three games, things could change, adjustments are part of the deal. Russell Wilson, back in his glory days, had some rough starts. But in those three starts, he looks washed. He just does, and it really struck me yesterday. I know the Broncos won the game. What was a weird score, 11-10? Is that the final score? It was a bizarre, bizarre game. The defense got it done. I'm just telling you, I've watched every single Broncos game from start to finish, including yesterday's game, and he doesn't look good. He looks like a bad quarterback, and the numbers kind of tell the tale, the guy's completed fewer than 60% of his passes, only has two touchdown passes, has thrown a pick. But that's not, they're 2-1. and one. It's not really the story. He just, in decent, I don't know how much of the game you've caught. I know it's laid out on the East Coast. He, does, He's overthrowing guys. He's throwing behind guys. He's missing the easy stuff. And it's starting to feel like Pete Carroll, unlike with the Belichick-Brady thing, got it right. There's a reason he wouldn't let Russell Wilson be the guy that threw the ball like Josh Allen 66 times. There was a reason the offense was more balanced. Maybe Russell Wilson isn't the quarterback that he used to be.
2: I mean, we're through three games here that are averaging 14 points. That being the Denver Broncos through those three games, their red zone offense looks putrid. Yeah. Bill, is there any is there any chance this is a case of Russell Wilson just trying too hard? New team, massive yeah. contract, just trying to prove himself.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think they've scored sixteen, eleven, and eleven points, and I, or maybe it's sixteen, sixteen, and eleven points. Is what they've done—that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Look, he could be pressing. It's certainly worth considering a combination of pressing and the adjustment and having a head coach. Not, not to pick on Nathaniel Hackett, but he he has not looked particularly comfortable as a head coach in the National Football League and maybe he'll also figure it out but if you're not running an operation effectively that's going to create some problems with your play calling on both sides of the ball and your coordinators right like you you would imagine that that trickles down if you're not up to the job if you're over your skis a little bit but I just physically speaking yes all that just physically speaking like Russell Wilson just playing quarterback in in slow leverage situations he has looked to me off and not particularly good. And I just think it is worth it is worth keeping an eye on. It's going to be really interesting. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask Ty Dunn. I'm going to try not to do the whole, okay, I know it's early. I'm just going to be like, hey, man, is Russell Wilson washed? And he's going to judge me potentially. He's a nice guy. He's judge me. You'll hear him laugh. That's the Ty Dunn. Well... <laughs> <laughs> No. Is, or maybe he'll say yes. I don't know. I'm going to ask Ty Dunn, NFL guru, uh, friend of the show, about, about Russ and about a bunch of other things from week three in the NFL when we come back, when we get back to it, when we keep it rolling here on CBS Sports Radio.